0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. water.
1: Thank you for listening to We Speak Dispatch, sponsored by your friends at Watson Consoles. To show our appreciation to unsung heroes of public safety, we're offering the dispatch community a free gift. Visit watsonconsuls.com backslash badge to claim yours.
2: And now, on with the show. Welcome back to another great episode of We Speak Dispatch. If we're speaking dispatch, folks, we're talking right to you. And hopefully you're listening and telling your friends, hey, go listen to that podcast because guess what? We've got over 20, what is it, Joe, 22,000? Over 22,000. God, uh, podcast <laughs> plays and in 40 countries so we're all over the place and if you're not listening or you just started listening man you missed out on a lot of stuff so i'm just saying so all right so today's we got our usual suspects here we got jill over there we got joe down there and we got john over there hi everybody you all ready hey, to get hey, hey. good to see
0: everybody
2: good to see everybody all right and we got our special guest today which we met at the in nashville at the fop over there so steve tell us a little bit about yourself and what organization you've got Sure.
3: Um, my name is Stephen Powers. I'm originally from Maryland. I live down in North Carolina now. Me and my mm-hmm. wife started a nonprofit, hashtag buddycheck back in, I guess it would have been the summer of 2020. And basically mm-hmm. what we do is we provide proactive education to first responders, as well as like a warm handoff to uh, vetted resources that have been vetted by various agencies and FOP as far as for mental health and addiction concerns.
2: Wow, and it's really, it really kind of fit with that premiere of the movie we went and saw, the PTSD 901. Such so a really a good movie, and then kind of led right into what you do and and all that stuff. So, and you guys said, how long you've been been in business? What would you say? Uh since so about summer of 2020. 20 is when we got started, kind of with
3: uh, the COVID and and some yeah. of the um, defund the police movements. My oh, original gosh. plan wasn't to, wasn't really to start this until I formally retired, um, but. Mm. Unfortunately, we don't determine the timeline, I guess that's up to a higher power. And I started receiving <laughs> a, a lot of uh, phone calls and messages for people reaching out for help, kind of the uh, the atmosphere and the climate of policing and first responders in general. So kind of just moved up the timeline. Oh, yeah. I retired from a police department here in North Carolina back in November of 21. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to dedicate a little bit more time to, um, Trying to get that word out there trying to end the stigma associated with mental health and and you know if i can touch
2: just one person it's worth it that's 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 very cool it's it's nice that you kind of are paying it back i mean you're paying back your career and, and all this stuff and and but how did you come up with this idea of the buddy check i mean what was it like something happened to you or is there somebody you know or what yeah um a little bit about my story you know i grew up in a in a
3: not the perfect household uh my biological father was a little bit rough so I, I got some trauma as a child um graduating high school i went in the marine corps where i was exposed to a little bit more things mm-hmm. and then i started my law enforcement career in charles county maryland uh worked for the mm-hmm. sheriff's office there for a couple of years until i moved down here to charlotte and throughout my career obviously in law enforcement firefighting ems dispatch everybody is exposed to those calls, um, day after day, shift after shift, month after month here in North Carolina, we're supposed to do 30 years in order to get full retirement. (laughs) Um, and because I was that bullheaded Marine man of the house, big, bad police officer. I never really took care of myself after numerous, um, bad calls, Mm -hmm. um, chose to become, kind of a butthead in my family. You know, I, I lost a lot of relationships with friends and neighbors. Um, And it wasn't until I attempted to take my life that sort of the, my whole way of thinking sort of shifted. Um I, I had a good friend that was a police officer out on the West Coast. He attempted to take his life. I was able to get him some help a um, number of years ago. And he sort of was my rock along with my family when I was going through a lot of my stuff. And because obviously he was he was there for me and as I was there for him, I realized that obviously doing these jobs, being a first responder in general, you can't do this alone. You, you, yeah. You've got to share your experiences. You've got to vent what you're hearing, seeing, tasting, all that good stuff. And as any good Marine, I sort of stole a term from the army battle buddy. <laughs> um I would I would always say when my kids were younger we were on vacation, you know, where's your battle buddy? You can't go anywhere without your battle buddy. You got to take somebody mm-hmm. with you. And and from there it kind of morphed into that buddy check and and all a buddy check is 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 literally just reaching out to somebody whether it's FaceTime phone call, text message, Facebook direct message, whatever and just asking how they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. you, you never know what somebody may be going through because as first responders, we are the helpers. We're not the helpes. You know, <laughs> we're probably not going to reach out for that help unless we have some some sort of experience with it or we have a history of it and we've already helped reached out once or twice. Right. And you never know. You know, you never know what somebody's secretly dealing with. We a lot of times, depending on those relationships, you don't know what somebody may be going through some marital problems at home or a death of a loved one. And just a simple phone call could literally change that direction as as it did with me when my friend called me from out west. I just Um, wish
2: a lot of agencies kind of had that same thing years ago. Unfortunately, they did not. And I had a friend of ours commit suicide and he was the happiest guy I've ever met in my life. And it was so sudden and so out of the blue. But none of us were ever like to even talk to about how to talk to somebody and say, is everything okay? I mean, I'm sure if we would have, he probably would have shared something, but um
3: and and in my
2: case, I still don't know if I would have shared personally right, because yeah. him, I,
3: I am that stubborn, bullheaded. I, I have to be the man. Mm-hmm. Um and, and it wasn't until I realized a guy out west, my buddy, who was also a Marine, he was a, a, a very good Marine. So when I saw him starting to reach out for help and going through some process, it sort of opened my eyes. Wow. Um suicide has sort of always been, I, I've always been surrounded, you know, had a family member. Attempt to take his life when I was a child. You know, I've mm-hmm. had some loved ones. You know, go down that dark hole. A mm-hmm. um, guy in boot camp when I was in the Marine Corps attempted to take his life. Really, and wow. Throughout all that, yeah. Um, again, thick skull. Throughout all that, my my way of thinking was, what's wrong with that person? What is wrong mm-hmm. with that person? Yeah. And it took it took a very long time for me to shift my thinking to what's happened to that person.
0: Yeah. Um, wow.
3: It, it said the average first responder sees, you know, somewhere between seven and 800 critical incidents in their career. Most people, most citizens may see 20 ish. Um, yeah. So, you know, day after day, shift after shift, we're getting exposed to that. Uh, society outsources all their trauma to us. You know, when all else fails, what do we do? They call dispatch. Yeah, and yeah. I, I've heard plenty of stories uh, of some crazy calls and, and, I've always had sort of a, a respect for dispatch because you all don't get the closure. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, unless you send a message or, or unless you call the officer, you don't really know how that call ends because you're already had seven other calls <laughs> you know, and, and you don't yeah. know, you know, you don't know how, it how that closure happened. Yeah. At least us on scene, we do have that closure. We mm-hmm. are able to, to sort of see the outcome. Um, So that's always been something I've I've sort of always looked up to y'all that y'all are able to 10, 8, 10, 12 hour
2: shifts and not get a whole lot of closure. Um, That that would, that would break me. Well, Joe, Joe, do you guys have anything in place that's something like this? Um, You know, John or Joe, either one.
1: One of the um, things that our agency did, and I'm in the transition of uh, leaving the agency, but I'm really proud of it. is that we implemented a peer support team and a critical incident debriefing team that was agency wide. Uh, The thing that brought it to the forefront, in my opinion, I think we were working on it before it happened, though, is we did have an officer uh, commit suicide. Hmm. And so it did bring it to the forefront. And one of the things that I would say is looking back at that, I think that training needs to take place for 911 managers, um, not only only on the fact of am I still there? Okay. Yeah. Not only <laughs> yep, I'm hold on. But yeah. uh, not only on the fact of um uh training for the manager so that they can handle the situation, but also so that they can get their dispatchers the help that they need.
2: Yeah.
1: Um we we may be an expert on how to take calls, how to dispatch calls, how to do all this stuff. But if we're not trained in how to handle major events, yeah, every agency that I know of will say you have an EAP program or you can go get help this way <laughs> or that way or Whatever it might be, but we need some internal people to better assist the dispatchers because, like Stephen has said, uh, we're also a little bit stubborn sometimes and may not be willing to ask for help ourselves. So if we can a speak the same language, <laughs> support, and be that buddy check for our own internal people, that may help nine one one progress in the future.
2: That's cool. What about you, Joe or John? What about you? What do you guys have at your place? Did you have anything in place, official or training, or? Because I agree with I agree with uh, Joe management never gets this kind of training to recognize something or refer somebody. They always just say, we have EAP, use that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's super, but <laughs> it doesn't always work like that. So what yeah, do you, I, you?
0: We, we get to do with Joe and you said? Yes, EAP is certainly available. And I have heard from people who have used EAP, at least in my agency, which is um, a county benefit through um, usually an insurance company. Um, yeah have been quite pleas- pleasantly surprised in the outcome of using it for a variety of reasons not just mental health the EAP is very all encompassing but that can help one issue can help uh, with the mental health of an individual yeah you know, just relaxing something so in addition to that yes we did have and we may still do have an in-house peer support program uh, a lot of it has changed over the years um, it kind of got revamped, I'd say, over the last three or four um, for good. And yeah. uh, last I knew, we were pursuing state-level certification. Wow, really? Um, so yeah, awesome. to pursue kind of like what law enforcement does. And we yeah. were a full 911 center it as its own county agency, not part of the law enforcement agency. Mm-hmm. So for Stephen, we were not – like if you worked at Charles County Sheriff, we were not part of the Sheriff's Department. Okay. Okay, so we were our own entity. But um, – we, uh, can pursue, we fall under criminal justice programs because we dispatch and take law enforcement calls where they can pursue such accreditation. Sure. Um, wow. And Stephen, you know, going back to, I have a question here. You mentioned, you know, five, offering resources that are vetted. What kind of resources that are vetted do you offer, particularly mm-hmm. those for dispatch?
3: Sure. Well, there's most of, most people have heard of Safe Call Now. There's Cop Line. Yeah. Um, there is, is, um let's see if, if anybody has access, you know, you go to the NC or the FOP webpage and they have a, a tab at the top where they can click resource. Mm-hmm. You can, you can whittle it down to the state or whatever. And then I also always recommend psychology today. You know, you go on psychologytoday.com. you know, if somebody's to that point where they're ready to sort of reach out and sit down with somebody and talk again, you have every filter you can imagine, uh <clears throat> sex, age specialty, because the other problem that first responders face is culturally competent therapists or counselors. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I can only speak for myself, you know, the first couple of counselors I went to, I I made them cry when I thought I was supposed to sort of do the crying. <laughs> um, I've had them ask me to leave, you know, my firearm in the car, you wow. know, and it, it, it's very Difficult
0: yeah.
3: um, to to get those co- culturally competent um therapists, counselors, mental health professionals that sort of understand our culture because we're a different breed, you know. Oh yeah, and I th- uh, different what I think is funny.
2: Well, we we did this at my agency I used to work for big huge state agency. They <laughs> brought in outside people to talk about stress, but they had no clue what we do, and really the stuff they were offering was like. We can't just do that. We can't just get up and walk around and say, I'm going to go take a a break. And I'm like, what is this person even thinking? They're not even part of our agency to say, like, we know what's going on. And it's like, it just really, it was just basically nothing for any of us. A lot of people complained about it and said, we really don't get like training on what we're supposed to say or do if it's affecting somebody who works with us. I mean, it's like, it's one thing to deal with it on 911. And we've all had those kinds of calls. But it's it's different dealing with it somebody in person that's sitting next to you or somebody you know or whatever. And that's and that's where
3: the awareness part comes in. There there is so many free trainings online. Obviously, mm-hmm. all these conferences, like the FOP puts on a conference. Um, you go to these conferences and, and sort of just absorb that knowledge. And yeah. it does it does not take a, a master's level licensed clinical social worker education or anything like that to literally just talk to people and, and be honest with them, you know. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do, but I can tell you, you do not have to walk this journey alone. I will go with you. Let's figure out who we can call um, and and sit with that person in that situation be- because when somebody has finally gotten to that breaking point and somebody is, is seriously considering, you know, taking their life, yeah. literally just having somebody be there with them, it is everything, you know. And so I, do you
0: make the calls? Do you, do you Stephen, make the calls yourself individually? Or do I you, have, you facilitate?
3: I, I have or I facilitate. Oh, yeah. I, okay. Depending on, it, you know, if I'm on the phone, phone with them, I'll, I'll grab my wife's phone and try to call somebody I know, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout this journey, I, I've definitely made a lot of uh, friendships and connections to various people in various parts of, of this country. So it's it's nice to be able to say, oh, you're in Florida? Give me one second, I'm gonna call Doug. You know, <laughs> Doug lives an hour away from you. I, I've called people to drive with to that person while I've kept them on the phone and talked to them.
2: Um, well, what is it you exactly offer? What do you, what is Buddy Check actually, I mean, are you like a bunch of people together or is it just you or what? what is it? it it's
3: basically me, my wife and my aunt. And <laughs> what I do is, is I go to various conferences and, and speak about my story. And try to end that stigma associated with mental okay. health and, and substance use from a
2: personal uh, perspective, which is great to hear.
3: Crisis yeah. um, yeah. intervention te- uh, team training, CIT training—I don't know if mm-hmm. it, any of y'all have heard of that. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm heavily involved in about four or five counties in my area where I teach yeah. off wellness for all of those courses. Yeah. Um, it, it literally it's it sort of just started out trying to help a few guys I worked with. Mm. Um, trying to pay it forward. And, and it's sort of morphed
0: into what it is now to, on occasion, you know. Do you go, to, do you go to, to dispatch conferences? Like, do you put in uh, calls for paper at APCO International? Meetings? Absolutely. There was a big one out in uh, Colorado called Navigator through the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch. It happened in August of mm-hmm. 23. So do you do you include yourself in those? And absolutely. Selected, I, I, or at least the state the side? Because the big yeah. ones are kind of hard to get. Selected. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, I, I literally I am I am a sponge I just love how our, our brains work and don't work sometimes and so I will go to any kind of conference I could get my hand on that I can learn of I, I heard Doug's coming to North Carolina tomorrow <laughs> I guess it was wow. <laughs> um if if I wasn't in the process of selling my home and buying a home just south of Wilmington I probably would have tried to go out there um <laughs> So I, 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 love going to these conferences. I love meeting people. I love the networking aspect. I love gaining that knowledge. And I like to share that knowledge that I've, you know, obtained over the, over the years. And it wasn't until I, I sort of broke myself that I really jumped in with, with two feet. A lot of times people say, you know, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And, and I've learned that it's not only the what, but the why Yeah. When you wow. can figure out the why and the what you're unstoppable. And I know what my what is, and I absolutely know what my why is, and I'm hitting the ground with both feet Run. That's cool.
0: I like what you said about um, before you would look at people and go, what's wrong with them? And now it's more of a what basically broke them or what happened to them. And yeah. I think in the last three or four years, there's really been a shift that way.
2: Yeah. And
0: the way people are looking at mental illness or behavioral health or whatever you want to say. I think it's more of a what has happened to this person to bring them to this point versus looking at them as they have a disease or there's something wrong with them. They're on drugs. Absolutely. So.
3: And um, you, you said it best. I, I do believe that the first responder culture as a whole is more accepting of, of you know substance use or mental health concerns.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And I I always when I'm talking I always sort of say it's like a big ocean tanker ship crossing the ocean. You can't stop those things on a dime. So we have to slow down, we have to initiate sort of that turn, then we have to get going up again to speed. And, and depending on what department and what part of the country you're in, I know we're all at least slowing down. Some are already starting to turn, and there's a lot that have already started getting going again. And that, that's reassuring. Wow. But you have yeah. to have that buy-in. You have to have the complete, utter buy-in from the top as yeah. well as from the bottom.
2: And, and that is sometimes very difficult to get. I, I know exactly. from my experience of years ago that a lot of people in higher positions than me and wearing uniforms and stuff would have a real hard time believing it's that hard on people because they're like, you're yeah. inside of a building. What could possibly happen?
0: And so, I, I'm going I'm to go against that because we okay. were very fortunate at my agency that getting a clinician on staff was one of the that time, director's top priorities. So cool. Excellent. And uh, I mean, that's, he he created and said, well, we're gonna, I said the public, what do you call it? The group, uh, peer support. Peer support. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking public safety, but you know, uh, you talked about brand Steven, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, talked about peer support. He's the one that really said, okay, we need to revamp it, we need wow. to revise it. Uh, it's it
2: really so great, great to have somebody it. like yeah. that compared to somebody like I worked with initially. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just you get this mindset of where people are just stuck in what they believe. And I'm <laughs> like, Stephen, because for many years, I thought people suck it up, man. Come on. It's no big deal. And it's like my last couple of years, I am a total believer in peer support and all that stuff. Now I'm like, oh, my God, that that stuff is real. That stuff actually does work. Mm-hmm. So and how do people get a hold of you, Stephen? They want to get a hold of last couple of minutes here. How do people get a hold of you? Yeah. if They need to talk. Uh,
3: I'm on social media uh, hashtag and you have to spell it out. You can't do the little number sign or whatever (laughs) on Facebook and Instagram. So you have
2: to write out the word hashtag.
3: have to write out the word hashtag, and then buddy check is one word. Um, From there, my my cell phone number's on there. They can always – and I always tell people, you can call me any time of day, any day of the week. Um, You might want to text me first because if I don't recognize the number, I may not answer it. (laughs) Um, But like you said, I I, I have – it's part of my way of thinking I have to pay it forward. Yeah. Um, You know, if I don't, it would it, it would be a slap in the face to all those people that supported me. Um when I was going through my dark time. So Man, I'll
2: tell you what, it's it's a powerful thing, and I'm so glad we met you at that FOP. And absolutely I was like, we left that place going, This is somebody we got to have on our podcast because not to mention the food was delicious. Well, it was good. And the drinks, but anyway, so well we we're really we're really glad that you came by with us today. And, and hopefully, if you're all listening out there, go check out hashtag buddy check, all spell it all out, hashtag buddy and go, go see what he's offering out there and go get a hold of him if you need to have that kind of thing out there. So, Joe, tell us about where we stand as far as social media on our broadcast. Yeah,
1: absolutely. We are making a huge difference. And thanks to everybody for tuning in and listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we're even on TikTok. Or you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform and join the 22,000 people that have listened in the other 40 countries. So take a listen.
2: 40 oh. countries, 22,000 podcast plays. That is something great. Yeah, season so, four. and Oh, yes, we just started mm. season four. Yes, we're just starting. Uh, I haven't even put our first broadcast out yet for season four, but uh, three years in, season four starts uh, right away. So thanks very much, everybody. Appreciate everybody. Thanks for coming by, Steve. Everybody else, go out and make it a great day because you know we all will. Thanks.
1: Thank you for listening to We Speak Dispatch, sponsored by your friends at Watson Consoles. We're celebrating dispatchers and showing our appreciation by providing a free special gift. Visit watsonconsoles.com backslash badge to claim yours. That's watsonconsoles.com backslash badge.